Hello, Crossroads and guests. This is Pastor Lee. We're so glad that you've tuned in to our podcast today. I want to let you know about our website, wherelifechanges.com. There you can find more about church events, ministries, and giving options. Check out my blog at pastorlee.org, and you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at crcc underscore social. Find us at Facebook at facebook.com forward slash wherelifechanges. We really hope the message today inspires and encourages you to worship passionately, serve others, and share truth. Now let's jump into the message. I'm, I'm a little concerned about this message, to be honest with you. I'm not sure that I'm going to do a good job of presenting it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to share it with you. I was thinking about the American dream, and uh, we're coming up on veter- Veterans Day, and, and uh, the, the American dream and, and what that means. And so I, I went to the Declaration of Independence, and, and I want to read just a little bit. I know you've heard this before, but they wrote, it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Everybody say pursuit of happiness. And so when they wrote this, then the American dream was born, a a nation that had the right to to live as it wanted to, a nation that had a right uh, and the freedom to go after what it felt like it wanted to, a nation of people that that had the opportunity to pursue happiness and to go after it. And, and I believe that one reason that our government has worked well thus far is because everybody wants to be happy. And so the foundation of our, of our government, the way it is set up, is the government is to here to protect our rights. And that one of those rights is that I can go out and, and pursue happiness, whatever that means to me. And, uh, and, and, and I think that has been great in some ways. The American dream has proved great for many people, not all people, but many people. And, and we have seen it in wealth. Our nation is so rich, even the poorest among us. I was driving on the road the other day and, uh, and uh, rolled down my window. There was a man there and, and uh, he, he was homeless. And, uh, and so I gave him a little bit of money and he walked away. And I noticed he had some Air Jordans on. And I thought, man, those are some nice shoes. And uh, probably, I don't know, $50 shoes. Obviously, I hadn't bought any shoes lately. I bought mine at Walmart, $19.99. I wait for the sale, then I get them at $9.99. And uh, but I know, I know he didn't buy those. Somebody gave those to him because he's out in the in the street and and having you know and and trying to help him. But I thought, you know, even the poor, because the nation is generous and people are generous, even the poor are able to enjoy many of the amenities that that poor people are not able to enjoy in in other countries in other nations. And so when I look at the American dream and, and what it has meant, uh, it has definitely worked when it comes to wealth. But it's this pursuit of happiness that I wonder about. I don't think our country is happy. When I look at the United States and when I look at the news and when I see everything, especially around politics and race and, and even religion, all those kind of things, I just don't see a happiness so from the very beginning, it was laid down that our government here is here to protect our rights so we can pursue happiness, but we have found it yet. It's been over 200 years. We're still looking, still trying to figure it out. And, and, and so it's, it's, it, it, the pursuit of happiness is here, and I have the right to pursue it, but yet our country is, is dominated by violent crimes, opioid deaths, gangs, 
divorce, road rage, depression, alcoholism, addictions, and suicide. The church, the church is a little bit better. The church is a little bit better because not only do we have the secular rights that we're talking about here, the right to pursue happiness, but we also have salvation. And so by salvation, we know that, that one day this life will end and we will receive the, the goal of our, of our soul, the goal of our faith, salvation with the Lord, be in his presence forever and ever. And so that brings hope to us. We, we have the word of God. The word of God presents the, the scripture to us. It, it gives us the story of God. It gives us the wisdom of God. It, it brings hope. It inspires us. Even as we were singing songs today, these songs are based on scripture, and, and it's the Lord saying, I'm with you, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. And so in the church as believers, we have that, and that helps us in this pursuit of happiness. We have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides us into truth. So when I read the Bible, I can understand it. And when I worship, as I was worshiping now, we, we are flooded by the love and the grace and, the, and the, the warmth of God's heart in our hearts so that we know that there is a God and he loves us. And we have that. So in the church, things are a little bit better. But I, in the church, are we happy? Have we figured out a way to, to find this happiness? Because there still seems to be a lot of anger, rage, depression, sadness, rejection, and everything else. I want to talk to you today about the pursuit of happiness and what that means. Ecclesiastes. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 6. This will kind of be our text for today. <clears throat> I do think the founders got it right in that they said we have the right to pursue happiness. The word pursuit is key because pursuit means I don't have it. I'm running after it. I'm going after it. I'm seeking it. And, and you can't pursue something un unless you can see it. You know, if you, if you watch all the, the cop shows and everything like that, they don't say they're pursuing somebody until there's somebody there to pursue. And I think one of the reasons that we have a hard time finding happiness is because we don't know where it is. You can't pursue something that you can't see. You can't pursue something that you don't know where it is. And happiness is elusive. It, it is hard to find. And so what we have is we have an entire nation running after this concept of happiness and what it means. And we get into relationships, we take jobs, we do all kinds of stuff trying to find happiness, but we don't know where it's at. And so we get stuck, and so we're, we're just running around all the time trying to be happy, trying to make everything work. In the meantime, everything we're doing is causing frustration and anger and bitterness and sadness and all. And, and here we have God saying, but look at everything I've given you, and you're still upset, and you're still struggling, you're still... Ecclesiastes chapter 6, he said this, I have seen another evil under the sun, and it weighs heavily on mankind. God gives some people wealth, possessions, and honor so, they, so that they lack nothing their hearts desire. I'm going to stop there for a minute because to me that's America. We got so much stuff. So much stuff. Amen. Sometimes my wife will say, well, what do you want for your birthday? And I'll think about it. And I really think about it. And then I think, I pretty much got everything I want. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know, but I think, what, what else could I want? You know, I look, I look at little kids, you know, used to when, in, when computers came out. How many of y'all remember when computers first came out? They were like as big as this room. They were ginormous, right? And they didn't do nothing. They could add two plus two. That was it. 
the mainframes. Now you have children that have these little electronic devices that do what 10 mainframes do, and, and they just, we just walk around with them in our pockets. And, and, then, and then we have figured out how to, how to make them child-proof. So the other day I was watching in, in Walmart, because, you know, if Walmart doesn't have it, I don't need it. So I'm at Walmart, and there's a kid got an iPad. How much do iPads cost? How much? $600. And he's got this little wooby-woo teddy bear thing all over, and he's throwing it in the air, and boom, it hits the ground, and throw it in the air. But it's so protected. It's, it's fine. I want to say, let me see that thing, kid, throwing that thing around. What's wrong with you? But I didn't. I said, God bless him. Okay, I just want you to know that. <clears throat> but we have everything, everything we want. Now, you may say, well, I want more. Well, you can want more, but if you look at the rest of the, the world, we got more than what we need. We got way more than we deserve. We got all kinds of stuff and stuff on top of the stuff. Amen? If you were to go through my house right now, there was so much storage stuff of stuff that I don't need. And frankly, I don't want. Y'all come on over. I'll give it to you. <laughs> got stuff everywhere. And then I'm looking, and they're getting ready for the, uh, the rummage sale, and, and there's an elliptical machine in here. You know one of those exercise machines? Act like you've exercised before, people. You know what I'm talking about? A little elliptical. <clears throat> and, and I look at it, and I think, man, that's nice. I'd like to have that. And then I started thinking, but upstairs where I would put it, where would I put it? I'd probably put it next to the weight machine I don't use and in between the treadmill I don't use and, and right next to the dumbbells that just sit there all the time. And maybe I don't need it because i got enough stuff. And so to me, this is, this is speaking right to us. God gives some people wealth, possessions, and honor so that they like nothing that their hearts desire but God does not grant them the ability to enjoy them. And strangers enjoy them instead. This is meaningless, a grievous evil. A man may have a hundred children and live many years, yet no matter how long he lives, if he cannot enjoy his prosperity and does not receive proper burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. Man, that is just powerful. Are y'all with me this morning? He, he, he says if, if you can't enjoy your prosperity, then a stillborn is better than you. Now, what does that mean, enjoying my prosperity? Don't, don't get wrapped up in money. Remember, God's prosperity is 360 degrees. It is prosperity in my relationships, in the health of my body, in my finances, at my job. Everything. Remember, he said, if you live to please me, every place you set your foot, you will find success. And so prosperity is not one-dimensional. It's all the way around. It's everything. And he says, you can't enjoy your prosperity. No wonder you're not happy. No wonder. And, and when you look at our nation, we are so blessed. There is so much stuff and so many things that God has given us. I didn't choose to be born here. There are people that got, they, they didn't choose, and they were born in another country where, where there's all kinds of starvation and, and, and persecution and wars and famine, and here I am, and, and when it's Thanksgiving, I got so much food, I can't eat it all in a week. And yet, our nation is unhappy, blessed, but unhappy. Y'all agree with me this morning? Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 18. Same writer, Solomon, he said, This is what I have observed to be good, 
that it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them, for this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot, and to be happy in their toil, this is the gift of God. They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. Wow. I I want you to know this morning that God wants to bless you. The original covenant with Abraham is, is I will bless you and you will be a blessing. And so God wants to bless you. Can I get an amen for that? He wants to do good in your life. He wants to do good in your life. The Bible says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive or imagine the plans that God has for your life. He says, I know the plans I have for you to prosper you, not to harm you. God wants to do good in your life. But what good is it to have all of these gifts from God and all these blessings if I don't enjoy them, if I'm not happy about it? If I walk around and I'm miserable or I'm, I'm overcome with depression, what, what good does it do for God to just bless and bless and bless and I receive nothing in my spirit that changes my demeanor from being a grouch to somebody happy, from being somebody who can't get out of bed because they're so sad, to being somebody filled with joy unspeakable. Amen? He wants you to be blessed and happy not blessed and unhappy. Amen? So where is this happiness? Where can it be found? I'm going to try to dig into this and, and unpack it a little bit. Ecclesiastes 6.3 right there, we just read it, but I'm going to read it again. It says, A man may have a hundred children and live many years, yet no matter how long he lives, if he cannot enjoy his prosperity, if he cannot enjoy his prosperity, if you have the King James, it translates it a little bit different. It says, His soul is not filled with good. Everybody say good. Now the word good comes from God. And so when he's talking about good, the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of heavenly lights. It comes from God. Amen? And so what it's saying is, is when somebody can't enjoy their prosperity, it's because the good that God has given doesn't fill their soul. It doesn't fill their soul. Blessings everywhere, and it doesn't get in my soul. And so I got all kinds of things and all kinds of blessings. God's done so much. And I, 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 I've been talking about material blessings, but I'm talking about we, we got friends. We got children. We have parents. God has put all kinds of people in our life that are a blessing. It's, I mean, if you were to sit here and try to list every blessing, there wouldn't be enough paper. But what do we focus on? The one thing that's not right. The two things that are right. So we have all of this, and yet we can't enjoy it. Because we're focused on that. And it's a sad thing to me. Amen? And so the, the soul of a man, the good of God has to get into my soul. What, what is the soul? We, the, the man is made up of mind, body, uh, well, body soul, and spirit. And, and the mind is wrapped up in that. The heart is wrapped up in that. But, but the spirit is, is, is different. The soul is who I am. My soul is who I am. It's not who you see, because I have an ability, like we all do, to present myself based on what, you, what I want you to see. My soul is who I am, stripped of everything, stripped of position, 
stripped of fame, stripped of honor. It's who I am when nobody else is looking. It's what I feel. It's what I think. It's what I think you think about me. It's what I feel that you feel about me. When you remove everything else away and take everything else away, it is me just standing naked before God. That's my soul. That's who I am. And, and the scripture says, I can't enjoy my prosperity, even though I have all of this stuff, because that can't get into me who I am, just as I am. This morning, I want you to know the Lord, the Lord is the source of happiness. Amen? The word happy comes from the same word that means blessed. Everybody say blessed. And so if you go through the Sermon on the Mount in, in, uh, in Matthew, the Beatitudes, he keeps saying, blessed are, blessed are. That word is translated happy. And so if happiness means being blessed, here's the thing, I can't bless myself. Because the word bless also means to make beautiful. I cannot make myself beautiful. This is as good as it gets. You know what I'm saying? It's as good as it gets. I cannot. Now what it's talking about, it's not talking about my exterior, it's talking about my interior. I cannot change my heart to make my heart more beautiful. Only God can beautify me. Only God can bless me. And so only God can make me happy. It's a gift from God. It's not something I can find anywhere else. Only God himself can change my heart and beautify me in such a way that I feel blessed in my soul so that I am happy no matter what comes. Are you all with me? And so this idea, the, the Lord is the source of my blessings. We're, we're, we're talking about the, the beauty. And, and the word, it doesn't mean, it, it means to make a good man. So to beautify the man, to make a good man, to, to make a good woman. That's what it means to be blessed, to be happy. And, and we cannot do that. We cannot do that, amen? There, there's no person that can do it. People will love you until they don't. You ever notice that? Even the people that love you all the time don't really love you all the time because you, you bick and, and fight and, and bicker and, and, and get upset with one another, and they love you as long as you're doing what they want you to do, and as soon as you're not doing what they want you to do, they can lose their temper, they can lose their patience, and they stop loving you. And, and so how can that change my heart? What that tells me is if, if I do it right, you like me. If I do it wrong, you don't. That's conditional. So no person can make me happy. If you're trying to find a husband, a wife, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, if you're trying to find any person to make you happy, it's a lost cause. People can't make you happy. No thing can make you happy. Let me tell you something. Y'all may not know this, but I love bluebell ice cream. (laughs) It's true. I love it when I open it up. You know, when you first buy it and it's still cold and hard, it's got the frost on it, and you open that baby up, and it's, it's, like, it's like golden treasure. You just open that up, and euphoria just comes all over you. <clears throat> I love it. Sorry, I got distracted for a minute. <clears throat> but the other day, I, I went to the freezer, and, uh, and I opened the freezer, and there was my friend. And I, and I, I get... I get my friend out, and I open it up, and it's empty. (laughs) My friend betrayed me. I don't know who ate it all, but somebody in the family, in the family, my own blood, ate the bluebell. They know I don't buy it for them. I buy it for me. 
things wear out. They get old. They get messed up. You may find happiness in a thing, but you find it only for a little while because then it gets messed up. Amen? No thing can give you happiness. Career. Some people think career can make you happy. Or what do you do when you get too old to work? What do you do when you retire? So many people put all their trust in their job and, and they worked and they worked, try to get success and fame and, and all these uh, honors and try to go up the corporate ladder, all that stuff, and then they retire and they got nothing to do and their whole self-esteem was put into that. And now what do they have? Career can't do it. Some people, somebody suggested to me one time, exercise will make you happy. I don't even have to talk about that. That is sacrilege. We know it. I mean, we're so blessed, amen? And I want you to know only God can make you happy. Only God can make you beautiful on the inside. Only God can bless you. Happiness occurs when the blessings of God fill our soul. They fill our soul. I want you to think about this. Happiness eludes us. And so my soul is who I am when you strip everything away. My soul is not who I'm married to. My soul is not what I do. I preach. That's not me. That's what I do. My, my, my soul is not what I wear. My soul is not where I go. My soul is just me, just stripped down, naked before God. Just bare. How do I get the blessings of God into that place of me? How do, I, how do I take everything that he has given me and, and get it into the place where it changes my demeanor so that I'm not angry, I'm not depressed, I'm not full of rage, but I'm happy? How, 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 do, I, how do I get it in there? And, and I have to understand that my soul is who I am without the clothes, without the money, without the car, without the job, without all the honors, without the trophies, without, all the, without the, the, the shortcomings, without, without every, everything that, that, <clears throat> that I have gained. In the, that's not who I am. And so how do I, how do I get these blessings? Because if I can't get the blessings into my soul, then I will never experience happiness. And so I've got to take all this stuff, all that long list of stuff that I don't even focus about that I take for granted. Sometimes I've got to get that and get it in my soul so then when there is something over here, I'm so overwhelmed by this that this doesn't bother me that much. Are you all with me? And, and so I want you to think about Adam and Eve for a minute. The Bible says they were naked without shame. What did they do? I mean, what, what, think about what God did. He, he, I mean, he didn't do much. He just built the universe, put stars in place, set up a, a greater light and a lesser light, one for the day, one for the night, put in a garden, no weeds. Can I get a praise of the Lord for that? No weeds. If you're a gardener, you're going to have fun in heaven, I'm telling you. If, 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 when you think about that and everything God did, and then what does God do for Adam? He brings all the animals and says, well, maybe he, you know, these animals are bringing some companionship. Nope. Then I will make a woman. Thank you, somebody. I thought the house would fall down on that one. 
I mean, look at everything God did for Adam. What did Adam do to deserve that? Nothing. God just loved him. Did it for Eve. What did Eve do? Nothing. God just loved him. And then one day, here comes the serpent, and the serpent says, why don't, why don't you try some of this fruit? I know it's forbidden, but it's, it, it'll make you like God, and you'll know the difference between good and evil, and, and it's a good thing. And the Bible says when Eve saw that it was good for food, and it was pleasing to the eye, and that it could make her like God, she took it. And then she gave some to Adam, and he took it. And then what did they do? They ran, and they covered themselves. What did they cover themselves with? The very blessings that God had given them. God said, I'm going to give you, here's all the trees and everything, and there are leaves all around. And so they took these leaves and sewed them together and covered themselves with the leaves because they were ashamed of who they were. Isn't it something that the God who blessed them so extravagantly for doing nothing, that suddenly they would think, if we've done one thing, i got to cover myself and make myself look better so he'll love me now. The God who said, I love you unconditionally. And now they think, well, maybe he won't love us no more. I got to cover up. They went and hid and they stayed back. Isn't that what we do? We look at our shortcomings. We look at everything we've done wrong. We look at all that stuff and, and, and we think, well, how can anybody love me now? How can God love me now? And they covered up their soul. Happiness dies when we cover our souls. From the first sin in the Garden of Eden, we have allowed shame, mistakes, shortcomings, not even always real shortcomings, just what we think. Our daddy told us we were stupid, so we think that. Our mama said we were worthless, so we think that. And we take all that stuff and we say, well, how, how can how can anybody like me now? How can anybody love me now? And so then we do everything we can to try to get people to like us. And we cover ourselves. We cover ourselves sometimes with bad things, with deceit. And we lie to make ourselves look better. Manipulation. We use tears. We use anger. We use sex. We use all kinds of things to manipulate people to get them to like us. Sometimes we use the blessings of God and we take the things that God has given us and, and, and then we try to use them not to honor God but to honor man and try to get people to like us more. And all we're doing is taking those same leaves and just covering ourselves up and hiding because we don't really believe that anybody could love us just as we are. And so when we cover ourselves up, we cover up that, the, the soul. We cover up the only place that God can get all that stuff into us to make us happy. And so God's blessing us all over here, but we're doing everything we can to cover up our soul so that stuff never gets in deep enough to control who we are and, and change the way we think, the way we act, the way we feel. And so rather than focusing on all this, we take these couple things and we're upset, we're mad, we're depressed, we're angry, we fight. Are y'all with me this morning? I want you to know that God loves you just as you are. All your imperfections, everything that you lack, 
He knows your most shameful deed, your most wicked thought, and he loves you the same. He loves you the same. My wife, she calls um, all of our boys her babies. I said, some big babies. You know, when you have a child, and, and you know, I've talked about this a few times, but every, every with, with all three of our boys, I just, I remember just being in some kind of high. I was so happy about these boys being born, and, and I remember <coughs> when they were little babies, and I tried to be a good dad. I, I worked a lot, but when I was home, I tried to help out, and I remember changing their diapers. They're probably wondering what I'm going to say now. The thing about it is, when you open their diaper, it was not good. You understand what I'm saying? It was not good at all. There was nothing holy or righteous or sacred about it. Okay? But I still loved them. And what did they do to get my love? Nothing. When, when my wife calls them her babies, what she's saying is, I don't care what you've done. I love you the same. And I believe this morning God told me to tell you you are God's babies. And the other stuff in your closet and hidden things and shameful things, but he loves you the same. He loves you the same. Amen? It's, 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 it's this statement from God when he says you are a child of God and we sing that song, I'm a child of God. What he's saying is you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to do everything right. You don't have to be the best wife. You don't have to be the best mom. You, your house doesn't have to be clean all the time. You don't have to be the right weight. You don't have to be the right look. You don't have to have just the right kind of makeup. You don't have to have the right kind of clothes. You don't have to have any of that. I love you just as you are. You don't have to have a clean past. You don't have to be without sin. You don't have to never get mad, never get angry. never. Get, you don't have to, whatever you are, whatever you're doing, I love you the same. We're God's babies. Amen? Now, when we, when we fully understand that, then things can begin to, to seep in. As, as long as I think I have to have the perfect little family and everything's got to be just right and, and everything has to be just so. And, I, and why am I doing that? Because I'm worried about what you're going to think of me. I, I remember when, when, I, when I first uh, shaved my head. And, and right after that, the pastor resigned. I don't think they were related. I don't think they were related. <clears throat> but he told me, he said, you're going to have to grow your hair back or nobody's going to even interview you. Because the Church of the Nazarene, that was a little radical back then. It was like 70 years ago. <laughs> Not really. No one laughed because you believe it's true. That's fine. I don't care. <clears throat> and so, so that's what I was going to do. So I started to let it grow, and, and it started to grow. And, and, and from here, there, I mean, there was nothing. I mean, it, it was, I mean you could have landed a plane right, right down the middle, right there. But all on the side, I kind of looked like a cross between Bozo the Clown and a Chia Pet. You know, it was just <laughs> like that. 
<clears throat> and so I got up and, and I thought, I got to trim this because it's looking kind of, you know. And, and so it was the middle of the night. We've been flying all night and, and we were in Arizona. The time, ch- I, I, it just wasn't a good morning. And I got up and I was trying to keep it dark so I didn't wake up my wife. And, and I took the razor. I had the wrong blade. How many times is it wrong? And whoop, just shaved a line right there. So, well, there you go. What am I going to do now? I'm either going to be like a racing stripe or I'm just going to shave it off. And I did, and, and they didn't even mention it. But I was so nervous that they wouldn't like me because of my hair. How many times have you been nervous that somebody wouldn't like you? That they wouldn't approve of you? At the most messed up place of your life, God loves you the same. I want to dig a little bit deeper in this. Ezekiel chapter 16. Ezekiel chapter 16. And in Ezekiel, this is a, a vision that God gives the prophet. And, and in this vision, and I just want to explain it real quick, he has taken the nation of Israel and, and putting it into an analogy of a, of a woman, of a, a, a baby girl who grows up to be a woman that he marries. And so I want to read this to you. Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 1. It says, The word of the Lord came to me. <clears throat> Son of man, confront Jerusalem with her detestable practices and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says to Jerusalem. So here's the vision now. Your ancestry and birth were in the land of the Canaanites. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. On the day you were born, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to make you clean, nor were you rubbed with salt or wrapped in cloth. No one looked on you with pity or had compassion enough to do any of these things for you. Rather, you were thrown out into an open field. From the day you were born, you were despised. Then I passed by, and I saw you kicking about in your blood. And as you lay there in your blood, I said to you, live. I made you grow like a plant of the field. You grew and developed and entered puberty. Your breasts had formed and your hair had grown, yet you were stark naked. The Lord is speaking to Israel as if a baby born said, you were, you were born in the land of the Canaanites. Now, the Canaanites worship false gods, and, and they sacrifice their babies to these gods. And when, whenever it says that the baby was thrown out in the open field, if the baby had anything wrong with it, anything that would be unacceptable to the gods, they would take the baby and just throw it out in the field and leave it. And that's what they did. And, and so he says, you were born as a foreigner in this land. And it says your cord was not cut. Now, the, the umbilical cord is attached to the placenta. When a woman gives birth to a baby, shortly thereafter, she gives birth to the placenta. The placenta is the part of her body that is feeding the baby nutrients and blood and everything that the baby needs to live and grow and, and be who the baby is supposed to be. So if you don't cut the cord, when that placenta comes out, the placenta immediately begins to die. And so if the cord is never cut, eventually death is going to be fed into that baby. That's why we cut the cord, and then you notice the umbilical cord will die. And so what are you saying here is is you were born into a place attached to death. We have been born into a sinful world, a world that is dominated by the God of this world, a world that is full of sin, a world where even the best of us love okay. You've been born into a place where the God of this world is out to steal, kill, and destroy. You've been born into a place where, where, where parents sometimes love and sometimes they don't. 
Or sometimes you get praise and sometimes you get beat. Sometimes things are good and sometimes things are horrendous. And all of us have different experiences, but we have all been the victim of this sinful world and we've had to face sin and, and, and endure all of it. And we have been attached to death. And so there's always something coming at us, always trying to destroy us. And so many times it comes through the people we love the most. He says, you were not washed. When, when a baby comes out and, and it has all the, 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 I don't even know what you call it, but all the stuff from the birth. And, and so you'll notice a lot of times they'll take the baby and wash it off, and then they clean the, the airways. That's why they would do it, to clean the airways so the baby could breathe. And so in other words, he's saying, no one helped you begin to live. You were attached to death. All this stuff is going on, all this stuff. Even in the best circumstances, things were, were not what God would have wanted them to be. People say things happen for a reason. I don't believe that abortion happens because that's God's will. I don't believe that, that, that people are abandoned because it's God's will. I believe that God can take that and use it for good, but it was never God's plan that any child should grow up without a dad, without a mom, or without a loving home. It's not his plan. But our cord was not cut. They would rub salt on the skin because it made the skin firm. Because the thinking was the skin has been in the womb and so it's been very soft and supple. And now the baby is out and so it doesn't have anything to protect it. So they would rub salt on it to make the skin more firm to help it uh, prepare it for the bruises and the bumps that would happen in this life. And what he's saying is no one prepared you for what was going to happen. Nobody prepared you for what was going to happen. And there we were. Cord cut. Can't breathe. Not ready for what we're going to face. And it's something there are some things that you go through and you know you're about to go through it. You still can't get ready. Somebody you love can be sick in the hospital and you know that day's coming and you still cannot get ready. And when the day comes, it can be overwhelming. And then it says that God looked at this baby kicking about in its own blood, abandoned, attached to death, dying. And he said, no one looked on you with pity or compassion, but I said, live. all the stuff in our life that's been negative and bad trying to kill us and God has said don't let that kill you don't let that destroy you live come alive don't let what they said or what they did kill you don't just stay in your blood kicking around don't just stay there I, I am calling you to live life abundantly I'm calling you to something new. Now, what did that baby do in order for God to do that? Nothing. The baby's just laying there, kicking about in his butt, and here comes God. He says, I saw you, and I said, live. And, and it's a command where God is understanding the language. He, he imparts himself into this child so that she can begin to live, because without God, you can't. So God was saying, I'm here with you. I'm staying with you. Whatever you've been through, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Live. I don't know who this is for. 
I believe somebody's been letting your past, your shortcomings, your anger, your addiction, been letting it kill you. And I'm here today to tell you what God is saying, live. Don't stay there. Live. Come alive. You will never experience happiness until you are convinced that God loves you at your worst as much as he does at your best. You hear what I'm saying? Let me keep reading. In Ezekiel, he says, Later I passed by when I looked and looked at you and saw that you were old enough for love. I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your naked body. That's a, that's a Jewish ceremony for marriage. They would put the garment over the body. And, and it's the man saying, I'm going to cover you. I'm going to take care of you. Here we are trying to cover ourselves up with the blessings of God. And God is saying, let me cover you. Let me cover your soul. Don't cover it with, with things. Don't cover it with people. Don't cover it with career. Let me cover you. He says, I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your naked body. I gave you my solemn oath and entered into a covenant with you, declares the sovereign Lord, and you became mine. I bathed you with water and washed the blood from you and put ointments on you. I clothed you with an embroidered dress and put sandals of fine leather on you. I dressed you in fine linen and covered you with costly garments. I adorned you with jewelry. I put bracelets on your arm, a necklace around your neck, a ring on your nose, earrings on your ears, and a beautiful crown on your head. So you were adorned with gold and silver. Your clothes were fine linen and costly fabric and embroidered cloth. Your food was honey, olive oil, and the finest flour. You became very beautiful and rose to be a queen, and your fame spread among the nations on account of your beauty because the splendor I had given you made your beauty perfect, declares the Lord. He married her not because of her beauty, not because of her perfection, he married her out of compassion for what she had been through. We look at God and we think, well, God loves me when I do right, and he's mad at me when I do wrong. But when we do wrong, it's a sign of that umbilical cord still attached to the spirit of death. The apostle Paul, it's, he said, it's sin living in me. And, and so the Lord, even though uh, sin, God hates sin, and so there are times when God gets angry, God always returns with compassion. And so we're sitting here thinking, well, God doesn't love me. And he's sitting here saying, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to get you through this. I'm trying to help you. I, I have called you live, and, and, and I want to make your beauty perfect. I want to bless you. I, I want to make you uh, understand that I love you all the time, just as you are. Because that's your soul. You see, it, uh, until I can say, God loves me at my worst as much as he does at my best, and believe it in my spirit, then when God blesses me, then I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think, well, if, if he blessed me, it's because I've done some good things. But what did, God, what did Adam and Eve do? What did this baby do? What did any of us do that was good enough to receive all that he's given us? It's an impossible logic. It doesn't even make sense to say, well, I've deserved all of this. Are you kidding me? I didn't deserve any of this. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. I deserve that a lot. But I hadn't deserved any of this. But what he's saying here is I love you at your worst, and you ought to know that because I've blessed you in spite of yourself. Amen? 
And, and when I finally get it, he blessed me as I am. He blessed me stripped away of my accomplishments, stripped away of the good deeds I've done, stripped away of every time I've come to church, stripped away of all the memories. He blessed me just because when I understand that, then the blessings get in my soul and the good gets in me. And now I understand no matter what, no matter what, he loves me just as I am. And then happiness is born. The gifts of God only come, only become blessings. The gifts of God only become blessings when you realize you did nothing to earn them. See, we look at blessings if we think we earned them, and it's not a blessing because now we feel pressure. I got to keep on doing it. And God doesn't put pressure on people. Are y'all with me this morning? And, and if I think I, I deserved it, then, then there's this pressure. That's not how God does things. So I have to understand, he blesses me and he loves me just as I am. Just as I am. And if I receive something in, without that understanding, then it never gets into my soul. It gets into my facade. Oh, he blessed me because I'm a good preacher. Oh, he blessed me because I did some nice things. He blessed me because I went to church under the bridge. He blessed me because I did this and that. And when I get that in my mind, then I think, well, I got to keep on doing that. And then it's not him really loving me. It's him loving my facade, my pretense, what I pretend to be. Until I understand he loves me just as I am, then these things are not going to be a blessing to me because it's like strings attached. He's not attaching them, but I am. Are y'all with me? Happiness is born in the realization that God's blessings do not require merit. If you're a hot mess, done nothing right, nothing good in your life, God loves you the same today as he did when he put you together in his own hands. Let me finish up. Verse 15. But you trusted in your beauty and used your fame to become a prostitute. You lavished your favors on anyone who passed by, and your beauty became his. You took some of your garments to make gaudy high places where you carried on your prostitution. You went to him. He possessed your beauty. You also took the fine jewelry I gave you, the jewelry made of my gold and silver, and you made for yourself male idols and engaged in prostitution with them, and you took your embroidered clothes to, to put them on. It's time to quit. And you offered my oil and incense before them. Also the food I provided for you, the flour, the olive oil, the honey I gave you to eat, you offered as fragrant incense before them. This is what happened, to say, declares the Lord. Here's a problem. If we don't understand that, that he is the source, we will inevitably take what he has given us and use them and give ourselves away to people saying, like me, like me, like me, love me, love me, love me, approve of me, don't be mad at me, don't yell at me. We use our money that way. We use our body that way. We use all of our talent that way. And when we run out of good things and we start using the bad stuff and we lie and we cheat and we pretend, all trying to get people to love us. Happiness will never be ours as long as we're covering up our soul. You understand that? And, and, and as long as I'm trying to make everybody happy, I'm covering myself up because I'm pretending to be something I'm not. And God is saying, don't, don't you understand? You only have to be you. If they get mad at you because you're you, that's their issue. If they don't love you because you're you, that's their issue. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say that we shouldn't try to make our lives better. We shouldn't try to be better people. But there's a difference. If I'm trying to be better so you like me, 
then I am prostituting myself to you. But if I'm trying to be a better person because I want to honor the God who loves me no matter what, that's a good thing. And so I'm not trying to say we shouldn't try to be better, we shouldn't try to, but I'm talking about the motivation behind it. As long as you're living to get somebody else to love you and to like you and you're constantly craving it and doing all things, uh, bragging about yourself and making yourself look a certain way, so somebody, you will never be happy because those people can't make you happy. Amen? Let me give you this last scripture, 1 Peter chapter 2. This one is tough. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, as you come to Christ, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Look at what it says. As you come to him, rejected by humans, you cannot come to God until you embrace the fact that people will reject you. Because as long as you're uncomfortable with people rejecting you, then you're either going to be angry that they don't or you're going to try to be something so they won't. You're either going to be mad because they don't like you or you're going to try to be somebody else so that they will like you. And what he's saying right here, if you live to please me, if you're just yourself and you come to me, not everybody's going to like that. Not everybody, but why? Because the world is sinful, it's full of death, and the world says, I want you to do for me what I want. So if I don't pretend, if I don't become what you want me to be, and if I don't behave the way you want me to in that moment, then you don't love me. If I'm not comfortable with that, how can I please God? Because every time I get uncomfortable that somebody doesn't love me, I'm going to go after them. And we see it everywhere in our society. People just throwing their life away for a person or for a job or for something that will never make them happy. Only God. The world is unable to love us. They don't like us because of our faults, our shortcomings, our sin, our inadequacies, our decisions, our behavior. They have conditions. I like you if you do this, but not if you do that. But God says, I love you just as you are. And when we can be sincere in who we are before God and say, that's all I need. That's all I need. And I can accept the fact that not everybody's going to like me and not everybody's going to love me and not everybody's going to approve of me. Then... The blessings of God can get deep in my soul and I can finally find happiness. That's where happiness rests. Deep in your soul. Who you are. Not what people see, not what you want them to see, but who you are. And God says, that's the person I love. And that's the person I will bless. That's the person I will make beautiful. And that's the person that would be happiness. Amen? Let's bow our heads and let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, can we confess to you that we have Too often tried to be something we weren't to get people to love us or approve of us. Can we confess to you, Lord, that 
some of us tried that for a while, and then when it didn't work, we just got angry and bitter and stopped loving and stopped feeling and became numb. And so now, Lord, it's even hard for us to experience your love. Or so many of us have been beat up by this world and made to feel guilty and been treated unfairly. But you look at us at our worst and you see someone precious. You see your baby. And no matter what we do, no matter what we've done, no matter what we may ever do, your love will never change. Lord, this morning I pray that you would break the spirit of selfish ambition where we live to get what we want and what pleases us and what makes us feel good. Because, Lord, when people are mad and angry and they reject us and they abandon us, sometimes we will do the craziest stuff to try to get what we want. Lord, give us wisdom this morning to understand that the world will never love us like you. And there's nothing in this world that can give us what you can give us. Help us to understand that, that true joy and true happiness can only come from you when I receive it just as I am. Heavenly Father, rescue somebody today. Rescue them. us and get it in our spirit that all that you've done for us is just because you love us so we don't have to be anything we don't have to climb the corporate ladder we don't have to get the highest rank our marriage doesn't have to be perfect our kids don't have to be perfect help us to, to allow this goodness to come into us and begin to change us and make us beautiful, not to please people, not to make people happy with us, but that we might honor you and give glory to God. And Lord, I pray for those that, that have so much rejection that they're filled with anger. Lord, we, we bind the spirit of rejection we lose the spirit of affection because all the hatred in the world for me can not even compare to all the love you have for me. Set us free from that. Hey, I just wanted to say thank you for your time and listening today. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and share us with your friends. Also, remember to follow us on social media. If you ever find yourself in the area, we would love to see you on a Sunday morning at 1040 a.m. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.